Hi guys, hi ladies. So apparently people like cars, huh? I should have brought down my 2002 CRV. It's a Honda. We should give prizes out for whoever had to walk the farthest. Anybody by the library? Courthouse? Courthouse. Hey, you win. Nobody else is in. We're just playing. Yeah. All right, let's hop right in. Let's read some Bible. Matthew 6, 19, 9 through 15, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. Whether you read your Bible a lot or not, you most likely heard this. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a different, a couple more verses. I'll, I'll keep going with this one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What do you think of those last two verses? Catch your attention? So I was sitting down with the other members of the preaching team. Got Chris and Ben and Bill Ewing. If you wouldn't mind putting that back up, Michael, that last one. And we were talking about this passage, and in like a half an hour, 45-minute conversation, we did not come up with a clear black and white walk away. There's passages like this in the Bible. They're hard passages. And unfortunately, I don't have time to spend any time on that tonight. But as somebody that's here to teach you the Bible, I can't just skip over it. If you're interested in this, these verses, I have a handout for you. A way to get started in thinking and processing this. If it at all piques your interest and you're wondering how the God of the Bible, who is, who is so often spoke of with love and grace, could have said this, please use this handout as a launching point. Somebody real wise once told me, never build your theology off of difficult passages. Look at the big picture of Bible and its view of topics instead of going to a single verse or two verses to construct your entire view of God. But if you've got questions on this, please come and talk to me or Ben. Um, we'd love to go deeper with you. But what we're going to do is get into the traditional Lord's Prayer. I mentioned this last week, but I don't want you to miss this. And you can take that down, Michael. This is not a speech that we are to memorize and then repeat if you want to be heard by God. Rather, it's just like Jesus' other teachings. He is trying to bring us to an understanding of deeper principles about God and how we should approach him. He's not looking to create robots. Rather, he is showing us foundational truths that we can meditate upon and then apply to our lives in the situations that we are in. The two key principles that I've picked up in the last few weeks of studying the Lord's Prayer, God is better than anyone or anything else. And he can be trusted. God is better than anyone or anything else, and he can be trusted. Last week we looked at that first topic. 
This is why the Lord's Prayer starts with, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means to make holy or to set apart. Because God is bigger and better than anyone or anything else in all of creation, he should be elevated higher than all else. A major way that we can do this is by dedicating our lives to his authority. That's where that idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom is defined as rule or reign. Jesus is stating that our prayers should begin by declaring that our, our creator, because he is better than anything else, he is the one who we want to guide our life. It is his will or his desire that we want to be the guiding force in what we do. Instead of remaining self-anointed kings or queens of the universe, we are to hand over our authority of our lives to him. Why? Because he is holy. He is altogether different. He is above everything else in all of creation because he can bring a level of goodness to your life greater than anything else. And this is important to recognize. So very often we simply see prayer as a way for us to bring our requests before God, which is part of it. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. But here, the way he starts his prayer, we see that it's also a way to recognize God's goodness and then submit to his authority. And that can have such positive effects on your life. In the next three sentences of his prayer, I feel like Jesus begins to specifically focus on the fact that God can be trusted. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It seems that Jesus is now moving away from our own personal reflections on who God is and what he deserves and into our dependence on, the, on him for the essential things of life. And as I was meditating through this, I see three essentials that are, are talked about. Provision, forgiveness, and protection. Provision, forgiveness, and protection. Because I want you to better understand what he's saying, I'm going to take the next 10 minutes or so and unpack this and let you get a better understanding like I have of what he's talking about. After we do that, we'll move into application. I, just, I don't want to be the only one that gets so much out of this study. And so I'm just trying to give you the nuggets that I picked up so that way you can go home and do it on your own. If you don't, you're missing out. All right, so let's start with the first one, Matthew 6, 11. Give us today, or this day, our daily bread. Now, give in the Aramaic means to produce, to allow, to grant. This day, any guesses on what this day means? Today, right? Right now. Bread, it's food. But it can also be defined as the essential elements of life. So I feel like Jesus is stating that we should turn to God for what we need today, specifically our most basic needs, the things that keep us alive, the things that we are in constant need of, food, water, clothing, shelter, being loved and supported. For most of us, all these things we take for granted because we always have them. But in order to understand the importance of this request to God, think about what life would be like if you didn't have enough food. 
if you didn't have access to clean water, if you lived without proper clothing or shelter, if you couldn't protect yourself from the cold, from the rain, from the snow, if you didn't have people in your lives that have made your life so much better. What's interesting in Jesus' statement, daily means coming next or tomorrow. It's this idea of continual action. So give us this day our daily bread. So he's telling his disciples to turn to God and depend on him to provide them with their most basic needs, but not just for that moment, but with the belief that they will continue, that he will continually provide them with what they need in each moment. It reminds me of manna. You guys heard of manna before? The Israelites, they left Egypt, went through the Red Sea. They were wandering around in the barren Sinai, Sinai Peninsula. Got tough. And in order to provide for them, God literally rained bread from heaven, known as manna. Every morning they would wake up and gather enough for that day. And if they gathered more than enough for that day, the excess would spoil. God wanted them to become fully dependent on, them, on him to give them what they needed for that moment. Exodus 16.4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In, this, in that way I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not to gather just enough for that day or more. I feel like Jesus says that this is the same mindset that we should have as well. Trusting that God will give us what we need for today. Believing that tomorrow he will do the same thing. So protection. Forgiveness. Matthew six twelve, And forgive us our debts as we, as, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now forgive, it's a common word, but it means to dismiss or cancel a debt. And debt in this context means a sin or a moral infraction. It's going against what is absolutely true or good, God's principles, the creator of everything, and what he declares is true. Now from the Bible's perspective, this is the most essential thing for a person. Forgiveness of their sins against God. Romans gives us a little bit of a layout of the position that we're all in. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Due to our rebellion against our creator's plans for our lives, we have been spiritually cut off from his direct presence. Since he is a source of life without a direct and continual connection to him, eternal death is unavoidable. It also means that we don't have the abundant life here and now. Instead, we are relying upon our own broken and limited wisdom and perspective. Jesus is advising his followers to ask God if he will continually forgive or dismiss their sins, just like he continually provides them with bread. This is a big deal. By doing this, a person will have direct access to the one who made them. They will be able to be guided by the creator of everything. They will be able to be advised on the best way to live their lives. Are you following me? They will be directly connected to the source of life. 
At the end of their days, they will be eternally connected to him. So we got provision, forgiveness, and now protection. Matthew 6.13. Lead us and do not bring us into temptation and deliver us from evil. Again, you can see I love words. I want to give you some definitions. Temptation, we've heard that so many times, but in the Aramaic, it means something that brings about the opportunity to sin. Something that brings about the opportunity to sin. Evil, or it can also be translated as the evil one. In this context, it's referring to Satan, the devil himself. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from Satan. Now, due to our time and place in humanity's history, this is a harder one, harder one for us to connect with. Right? We don't live in a time that believes in the spiritual world. But according to the Bible and a strong majority of humans throughout all of time, there is a spiritual world. There is a realm that we cannot see that has a direct influence on the world that we know. In the spiritual world, there's a battle being waged, good versus evil. Both sides are fighting for our minds. Angels and demons, God and Satan, they are vying for our free will with the desire to lead us into light or into darkness. Now, I love the way that Paul summarizes the legitimacy of our battle in Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that way you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. These rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of darkness have far more power than any of us recognize. They are operating with the sole intention of pulling you away from God and his goodness. They have major effects on your day-to-day life, your thoughts, your emotions, your choices, your relationships. Now, I know this may be hard for you to believe, but if you believe there is a God, then you believe there is a spiritual world. Take a moment to consider that. So often people believe in God, but they discard the notion of evil. But God is a spirit who operates in the spiritual world. So if you believe in a God, A equals equals B. My goodness. So in this part of his prayer, we see Jesus encouraging his disciples to depend on God to protect them against the evil forces that are so much bigger and so much more powerful than they are. Powers that they have no control over. So in these three sentences, Jesus is telling his disciples to go to God for their most basic and fundamental needs. He is saying that their heavenly father can be trusted to provide for them, to forgive them, and to protect them against the truly evil and dark things of this world. Now there's a lot of application that can stem out of this. But what I want to kind of focus your minds on right now is the importance and power of remembering how good God has been to you. By remembering what God has done for you in the past, 
it is far easier to trust him in the days to come. The book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses to the Israelites as he was kind of stepping back. His time with them was done as kind of a farewell letter. They're about to leave the 40 years of wandering and move into the promised land. And in the promised land, it's a much better place, full of beauty and provision, but it also is full of powerful nations, some of which are giants. And a major theme of Moses' letters to the people from Israel is to remember what they have seen God do for them over the past 40 years. But take care and watch yourselves closely so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen nor to let them slip from your minds all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Over and over and over in the 36 whatever chapters in Deuteronomy, we see him pointing them back to what they've seen. The verses that follow this said, hey, remember when he parted the Red Sea. Hey, remember when he rained bread from heaven. Remember when he made you his people. Do you remember the things that God has done for you? The ways that he has provided, forgiven, and protected you? Now, in order to really do this, you've got to take time on your own or sitting around people that know you well, that you've had experiences with. But right now, I want to prompt you with some questions. Stimulate some thought. Start with provision in general. Were you given life today? Breath in your lungs, thoughts in your mind? Did the sun rise and the earth operate the way that it was set up to operate to sustain all of life? Why did these things occur? Do you have food in your fridge and access to clean water? Do you have a job that provides you with the things that you need? Do you live in a country that allows you to experience privilege? Where did all these things come from? You take time to think about it. Ultimately, it comes back to our creator. He is the one that specifically made you with your talents and abilities, with what you were born with. America, it was founded on God-given principles of equality and freedom of choice. Without God, we wouldn't have anything that we so desperately depend upon. Let's go a little bit more specifically. Get into your own head, into your own life. Think back on the times in which you were specifically provided for. Money or food or help when hard times came. A job opportunity that you didn't expect or a job that you got into and you had no idea how good it was going to be. People that have come into your life at the right time and have given you the most essential necessity, love. Think about your parents. Think about your siblings. Think about your spouse or girlfriend. Think about your friends. Think about your kids. They have all been made by God and have, been brought, and have brought all of that goodness to you because of the way that God made them. If the God of the Bible is real, and he is the way that the Bible says he is, then everything good in your life is because of him. He 
either caused it to be there, provided, or allowed it to happen. Everything good is evidence of how trustworthy God is. Think about forgiveness. The entire Bible shows that God is the only one that can forgive sins. According to Hebrews 10.14, when someone recognizes who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and cries out to him for salvation, then every single sin that they ever have committed, are committing, and will continue to commit have all been forgiven. Check this out. For by a single offering, one, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Think about that. Forgiven once and for all of everything. If you have done this, then you are fully atoned and have been reconnected to your creator. If you have done this, then you have stories of the ways that God has directly interacted with you and made your life better. Let's watch Derek's story. Hi, my name is Derek Unrein, and um, this is a little bit about my story. I grew up in a very dysfunctional, alcoholic home, very chaotic, and at an early age, I just, I really tried to be, avoid being home as much as possible, and because of that, I started uh, just getting into trouble, making, making bad decisions, running the streets at an early age. I, I never knew what I was going to come home to, whether there'd be a, a fight or police at my door or anything like that. So I really tried to just be gone as much as possible. And when I was 16 years old, um, my life really started to change. God started to intervene in my life in a big way. And home life was at its worst, so a lot going on. I was starting to do bad in school. And um, yeah, my sophomore year in high school, God really just showed up in a big way. He basically transplanted me from Colorado and moved me 2,000 miles away to the East Coast to live with my dad. And it was at that time that I, I really started to hear who God was, started to learn about Him, um, started to read the Bible. I got enrolled in a, in a Christian high school. And so during that year of my life, um, I just really started to find out who God was and what He was all about. And He slowly started to uh, just change my life and my heart. And um, I started to submit different areas of my life to Him and give up different things in my life. And I could see that God was, it was molding and shaping my heart. Um, and there's a verse in Ezekiel that I really love that says how God will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I really saw that in my own life. That's what God was doing. And so 16 years old, my life drastically changed. I started following God and living for Him. And um, something else crazy happened when I was 16 and I had just moved to the East Coast. I picked up a skateboard and... At that time, I, I played sports, I did just all this other stuff, but I didn't really have a, a, a passion and love. And, and when I picked up a skateboard, I knew like this is, this is what I loved and this is what I was going to pursue. And so fast forwarding 20-some years, I was able to start a nonprofit using skateboarding as a tool to, to reach kids and share the gospel. I've traveled around the country doing that. And so it's just amazing to see how God has given me a tool and something I love to uh, help and encourage other people who maybe are coming from similar backgrounds like myself. And so God has just blessed me in so many different ways. 
Um, he's also given me something that I've always wanted. He gave me a, he's given me an amazing family. I have a, a wife. I've been married for 15 years, and I have three awesome kids. And so it's just been a blessing being a dad, and, and God has just really given me much more than I, I deserve. And um, I'm just thankful, and he's really showed up in my life in a big way, and I'm going to um, do my best to uh, point other people to him. So that's, that's the story. <laughs> So that's Derek. I'm hoping that a lot of you have gotten to know him over the last year. You want to help him out? Thanks. Um, I love hearing other people's stories. And as I look through this room, a lot of you I know, I know you have these stories. I shared my story over and over and over, but you have your story, and you are as much a part of the church as I am. So do not be surprised to receive texts from me and emails asking you to share your story. Remember what Moses said at the end of Deuteronomy 4.9? Tell your children and your children's children. There's power in sharing your story. Your salvation story, the times in which the maker of everything directly interacted with your life, grabbed a hold of your heart, the times when he prompted you to make different choices, These times are proof of how faithful he is to you. So we got provision, forgiveness, and then lastly, protection. Now, it may be a bit harder for us to recognize or define the ways that God has protected us from the evil of this world, but he has. Think about the darkness that you struggle with. Maybe you're like me some form of addiction. Maybe you're greedy. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're lustful. Maybe it's really easy for you to be judgmental and condescending. Maybe you're depressed. You have anxiety, fear. Think about the way that these things have grabbed a hold of the good things in your life, sometimes slowly, at other times violently, and they rip them away from you. Think about what your life should look like if your form of selfish darkness had been allowed to reign free. Think about how much you should have lost. But now think about those times when you felt conviction to be selfless and loving, sometimes subtle, other times undeniable. Think about the times when you read a verse or heard a certain line in a song and it hit a chord deep within you. Think about when the people that you love and that love you have boldly spoke truth into your life, challenging you to make different choices. From our limited perspective, it's easy to write these off as coincidences. But the reality is, without God and his goodness and the way that he continually battles against the darkness of this world, Evil would have won the battle long ago. Selfishness would be your king. Your life would be in shambles and your world would be in utter chaos. But due to God's unending love, he is continually injecting his goodness into your everyday life so that way you can have the life he designed you to have, one full of abundance. When you recognize this, when you take time to think back on the ways in which you should have, your life should have been completely undone, but it wasn't, 
it is undeniable proof of how faithful God is to you. I want to close with a challenge. Take time to remember how good God has been to you in your past. Set aside time this week to reflect. I encourage you to write it down on the ways that he provided, the ways that he has forgiven, and the ways that he has protected you. If you do this, if you are willing to take the time to meditate on your past and the ways that God has directly interacted with your world, it will completely change your view of your future. It's amazing. I was doing this today as I was kind of closing this all up, reflecting on the ways in which God has provided, the ways in which he has forgiven me, and the ways that he has protected me, and I was overwhelmed with emotion. If you take the time to think through the different times in your life where goodness has been brought in, it will change your view on what's to come. Do it. It's in your hands right now. You hear all these truths about who God is, but if you really want it to go from your head to your heart, right, cliche, corny saying, if you really want it to go deeper within you and change your belief systems and change the way that you see the world, then you must take time to think about it. If you do that, it'll teach your mind and your heart how faithful God will continue to be for you. Let's take a moment and pray. God, I ask that right now you would work in our minds and in the deeper parts of who we are, that you would convict us to to spend time with you, that you would bring thoughts and memories back that we have long ago forgotten that show us just how good you are and how good you've always been to us. Amen. So...